On today's very special episode of Talkin' Tom, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary with another TomCom. You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail is a 1998 romantic comedy drama co-written and directed by Nora Ephron and is the third on-screen coupling of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. With one year of podcasting under our belts, the gloves are coming off, and Daniel and I give our definitive answer about which Tom Hanks-Meg Ryan romantic comedy is best. You've Got Mail. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. Welcome back, Hanks heads, to another episode of Talkin' Tom, the Pod Hanks Tomcast, where we watch Tom Hanks movies and then we talk about them. One year anniversary. <laughs> uh, my name's Josie. I'm Daniel. And we are two. Oh, fuck, I had one and now I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say like friends in a former life. I don't know. My improv skills are lacking. That's all right. We're here today to celebrate one year. One year of, of podcasting. To the day, almost to the day. I almost. guess the day's shift because it's the third. Yeah. I mean, we released our first episode the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And this episode comes out the Wednesday before Thanksgiving of the following year. With the hope that you play this um, in a car full of friends and family, and they're just like, "What is this? Yeah. What are you doing? Or if you're in the kitchen, just whipping up some pies. Yeah. Hopefully, the dulcet tones of our voices. <laughs> I'm glad we landed on this movie instead of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. It would be a very different road trip or kitchen experience for you to try and have a relationship with. It would be weird. Yeah. But also, I don't know. Maybe if someone hasn't listened to last week's episode, go back and listen to it while you're doing something major for Thanksgiving or in a car with your children. Yeah. And let us know how that goes. Yeah. I'd be really curious. Bring the whole mood right down. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about Saving Private Ryan. Um, for those of you who did listen, Daniel dropped a truth bomb on me about uh, Steamboat Willie. Oh, yes. Who is the German soldier. Uh, I don't know. Am I allowed to talk about spoiler? Like, am I breaking a rule if I talk about <laughs> If you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan, uh, use your pa- your podcast app and skip forward 30 <laughs> seconds. Anyway, uh, that he was the one who uh, killed Medic Wade, but we were arguing, not arguing, wondering if he was the one who also killed Captain Miller, Tom Hanks' mm-hmm. character. But the real question was if he killed Mellish or not. I didn't, I didn't even, I spent an hour and a half on the phone with my dad the other night, literally talking about this. <laughs> and then we scrubbed through the movie. He looked it up online and we like had a heated discussion about it. What did you, what did you come up to? I mean, the verdict is still that they're separate people, Yeah. but I just like, I was having the wrong conversation the whole time is what the problem was. Oh, I see. I, I didn't probably even... caused some confusion. Yeah. No, you no, I'm just a dumbass. I'll give I'll give a, a, a tiny little shout out to the beginning. A buddy of mine named John sent me after listening to that episode, he sent me he's a history teacher. Oh. And he sent me a bunch of articles about German soldiers during World War II. Uh-huh. And he's like, I heard you guys wanted to you guys wanted to learn more. Here's a bunch of articles. So oh my I'll share God. that with you that came today. Um, so thank you, John. I'm excited to dive into this. Wow, I can't wait to become woke as fuck. And it's great because later in this episode, actually, I'll just shout it out right now. His wife, Katie, when we we were all friends as teenagers, and Katie is the one who introduced me to 
You've Got Mail. Which is the movie that we watched today. Yes. Wow. We used to do, in the summers, we would all get together and watch movies. And one of the movies, we would swap who got a pick. And Katie's Choice, You've Got Mail. My kind of woman. Here to talk about it. Katie, I'm sorry if what you're about to hear infuriates you, or maybe you agree. We'll see. <sighs> okay. On today, yeah. <laughs> so I have one other thing I want to say before we start talking about the movie. Okay. Just like a little bit of housekeeping. So uh, I had a panic this morning. As I, as one does, as I do most days, I woke up with a panic. <laughs> just an underlying sense of anxiety and worry. Um, because a lot of my files on my computer were missing. And mm. I thought I'd lost all the artwork that we had done for Talking Tom. I thought I'd lost all my blog stuff, like tons. I thought it was all gone. So I got on the phone with an Apple support member and she like connected to my screen and we were talking for like 30 minutes before we realized that I'm a dumbass and I had hidden my favorites tab, which collapsed oh. it all. <laughs> and neither, I mean, in my defense, the Apple tech support girl like also didn't notice that. But then what happened... Sorry to talk so much. Then what happened was I opened up my documents and the first thing that showed up was a giant collage of Tom Hanks photos that I've made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that time I taught myself Photoshop and made a Tom Hanks collage and the line went silent for about five seconds and then I was like, it's for a thing I work on. <laughs> Did she have a response? Yeah, she was like, what is the thing you work on? Hopefully she's a new listener. I know. Yeah. If you're listening, <laughs> Apple support woman, thanks for uh, saving all my files. <laughs> That's great. God, that was embarrassing. Well, do you want to tell us, you want to tell us what this movie's about? I do. You've already started a, a Instagram campaign, putting, pitting this against Sleepless in Sleepless Seattle. Because they're both Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, rom-coms. Right. So I'm going to let you... You should take charge on this because yeah. there's clearly there's an emotional connection that you are valiantly fighting for. It's something I feel deeply about, strongly about. So You've Got Mail is a romantic comedy, as I like to call it, a hashtag TomCom that celebrates the modern age of technology and the way that relationships and loves are formed in it. It follows two people, uh, one played by Meg Ryan. She's an independent bookstore owner who is having an online affair with Tom Hanks' character, Joe Fox, who is her business rival, opening up a big box chain, a uh, box store of bookstores, and they uh, both don't know that they're rivals, but they're falling in love. That was really good. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Let's redo it. That, yeah, that's perfect. It's important, as you mentioned, it's important to note as we talk about this, these, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan... No, I'm just going to use their, their yeah. names in this. I can't I get pretend it. I'm going to remember the character names. Cool, it's note. fine. They, they're flirting and they're sort of connecting over email. Yeah. It's 1998. But they're both seeing other people in the movie. So yeah. That, I think that's an important detail to think about as we, as we move forward in this. It's a common thing in a lot of romantic comedies. Yeah. I, I see, at least. It's kind of strange because I don't know what they want us to... Like I, it's sort of like a character flaw, so that makes them more human. But at the same time, it's hard to immediately root for them because you're like, you're being you're bad, doing something you're not supposed to. Yeah, and they usually get away with that because they make like the the partner will be just an abomination of a human. Right. They're and stuck in a. Yeah, and to a degree, 
I think Tom Hanks's girlfriend in it, played by Parker Posey, is yeah. slightly that. She's a little bit of an elevated, like, loses her temper and this and that. But then Meg Ryan's boyfriend is, like, very... Um, I don't know. He's a, he's a journalist kind of. He's a, he's annoying, maybe. I think the worst thing about him is that he hates technology. Yeah, that's like the worst thing. Very like nineteen ninety eight type of talk yeah. about like it's doing this. Except we do get one uh, typewriter thing in a scene that looks like Tom Hanks may have just like <laughs> ghost written it, where he he brings home a new typewriter. It's this electric typewriter, and the way he explains the typewriter sounds like something out of his book. Right, it does, and it's interesting. But yeah, but it's played by Greg. Kinnear? Greg Kinnear, who's How do you even lovely. Say Kinnear? Yeah. Kinnear. He's one of those he's one of those actors who's you, sometimes I feel like you can't pick pick the movie that you know him from, but he's in so much and he's always really good. I always think of him in Little Miss Sunshine. Oh. He's yeah. a dad in that. He's great. He's a real he's a real treat. Yeah. I mean I will say as for the things that I don't like about this movie, um, it's a it is a nice movie. Yeah, it's it's pretty pleasant. It's perfectly fine. I love the soundtrack. Um it feels it feels like a romantic comedy. Yeah. And sometimes that's exactly what you want. Yeah, it is it makes sense why this is like a cable television rerun movie. Yeah. Because it just if it's on like you can just sort of have it on and enjoy it. So you saw this before with Katie. Yes, I saw it as a as a as a teenager. Okay. And that was the only time you've ever seen it? I think so. I think I've seen like moments of it, you know, to play on TV, but I've never sat down and watched it again. Yeah. And I remember liking it. It was one of those where I'm, I'm sure being 13, however old I was, that they're like, we're going to watch a rom-com. And all the guys were like, ugh. <laughs> then you watch it and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I've seen this plenty of times. Um, you know what I recently saw in was, um, I was rewatching The Mindy Project. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, God bless her. She references Tom Hanks like a hundred times in the first season. And they play like clips from Sleepless in Seattle, from You've Got Mail. She's like constantly talking about Tom Hanks. That's good. I mean, you could be raised on that. The Church of Tom. Yeah, basically. Well, the Church of Tom Hanks, to be clear. Yeah. There are other Toms. <laughs> Tom from MySpace. Uh, yeah. So, um, but, and I, uh, it's too soon to have this conversation, but I always prefer Sleepless in Seattle to You've Got Mail. In this essay, I will. <laughs> In this think piece, I we'll, that we'll, we'll loop back around back to that. Yeah. Um, well, I think we can kind of jump back where we were starting. There's a really weird... So to start off, my first... The, the strange thing of this movie is just how they play with relationships. This is like uh-huh. the beginning of the internet, which they keep alluding to. It's right. changing everything. So they've changed the foundation. Is it going to stick around? Yeah. Which is hilarious to think about. Because yeah. we think of like how... Ingra- I mean, people are listening to us on the internet talk about this. Yeah. Um... But it sort of played up like the internet is like part of the character that like they have to log in. Like every time they log in is like shown, like you hear the dial up noise and the you've got mail thing. Uh-huh. Like that's part of it. Whereas now that would be like, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Type of thing. Um, but at a core level, it's still just about like how people connect. And there's this new way for them to connect. Mm-hmm. That's still pretty relevant because we're all into, you know, dating, which is a world I don't understand anymore. But dating is, is all about. Weird new flex, social okay. apps and how people connect. Yeah, but it's still like that same. Totally. Yeah. You don't get to hide behind your email. You you can't hide behind a screen name with like zero personal connect. I feel like now you have to have like your face as a part of it. Oh yeah. But um, the same idea about much... people connecting without having to meet first. You get to like be your best self because you can edit it. Type yeah. Of 
Speaking of, did you ever use an AIM instant message? I did. Yeah? Yes. What was your screen name? My screen name was Dan the Man 7772. Oh, man. And that happened because every time I tried to do a variation of it, it kept being taken, so I just kept adding numbers. Until you got to 772? Not like one at a time. I wanted it to be Dan the Man, and that's taken. And then I wanted it to be Dan the Man 7, oh, and then 77, okay. seven, and then I did 777. Seven. And like sevens weren't working, so I put a two because... You're My like, birthday's in February. Oh. So, and that, I never changed it. Well, I think by the time I would have considered changing it, it disappeared, but. Yeah. My screen yeah. name was uh, Redheaded Lizzie, <laughs> because everyone told me I looked like Lizzie McGuire. Oh, okay. Which is extremely flattering. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, but I wasn't allowed to download AIM. Oh, you had to use the web browser version? Yeah, it that was humiliating. Sucked. I remember that. Did you... I guess we should take a step back into the internet in those times. Uh-huh. So when did you guys move from move from dial-up to like always on internet? Do you know, you I can't remember a time that we ever had dial-up because oh, we okay. were so rich. We didn't need to. <laughs> Just kidding. Like truly not at all. I think my dad used the internet for work or something. Oh, okay. So we just, we always had a separate line. We always said, I was really, surprise, surprise, I was really into computers. We always had computers when I was really young, like seven eight nine mm-hmm. and i was really into games and loved computer gaming and so we had dial up internet and i would play uh i would play multiplayer games online Whoa. and in like 2002 or three i started playing this incredible star wars online game called star wars galaxies okay and to play on not to take it back if you're a younger listener you have no idea what we're talking about dial up took over your phone line so when you were on the internet with dial up not only was it insanely slow it you couldn't make a phone call. And if someone picked up the phone, it kicked you off. So to be on the internet was an issue because my parents, my dad would always be like, what if your grandma's trying to call if you're online? So I had to like, I think I might have made like a PowerPoint presentation of like why we needed this new thing. Because I put it all around like, because I was really, I was making short movies at the time and I was like, I need it to to use it for this. I need it to be able to like watch movie trailers. In reality, I just really wanted to play this Star Wars game. And you had to have that. So, but it worked. We upgraded like 2003, 2004. I was like 13 to 14. And it was like monumental. I couldn't believe it. I could just come home, get online, Damn. stay online. Felt like the world had shifted in my favor. That just reminded me that I remember one time as a punishment, my dad, because I used to call my friends every day when I would get home from school and I got grounded. So I couldn't use the phone. And my dad was like, why don't you learn to write an email instead? <laughs> and that was like my punishment was to having to communicate via email. Yeah. It turns out email's fucking Smart. awesome. Your dad was secretly educating you. And yeah. I got a good. private conversation that no one could read. Yeah. It's, it's really weird that that's how things used to be. That it was like this like cool thing. Yeah. And it's just the norm. And now it's just like, like a it. part of our life. Yeah. Crazy. I like the internet. I'll be the first to say it. That's Spoiler a hot take. alert. Hot take. You heard it internet's here first. pretty cool. It's also very bad sometimes, but also really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hear what you're saying. So they use the internet. That's the crux of the story. They are online. Yeah. I mean, other than that, it's basically just another romantic comedy. Yeah. It, I think it, it's a pretty... It follows all of the the romantic comedy standards. Mm-hmm. It's based off of a Russian play, I think. Yeah. I, I was reading into this before we started. Um, that, of course, didn't take place with the internet. Yeah. I think it was like a 1940s or 50s play. Mm-hmm. And then it's also a remake of a book or of a movie with Judy with Jim Garland. Stewart. And was it Judy Garland? I think maybe so. there's multiple ones. And maybe that, it's not even Jim that Stewart. one was called The Shop Around the Corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
They upgrade, you know, they branded it. Yeah. Which we can just immediately cut into. This movie has really weird product placement. I mean, it's like the whole movie is sponsored by AOL. Okay, another thing that I don't like is that when the when the AOL thing opens up and they and you so that you have a message, mm-hmm. it says you have mail, but the guy says you've got mail. Interesting. And you've is you have got mail. What the fuck? This kind of, I didn't think about that. No, I don't like knowing that. Sorry. Sort of spoiled the illusion. Did you ever do? Did you ever have that like AOL? Yeah, AOL. Okay, I didn't have that. It was, I don't have anything positive or negative to say Great. about it. It was Pretty neutral. cool. I don't think I had, I didn't have email until later. Okay. I didn't understand email. Yeah. I just wanted to look at movie trailers. Oh. And like make websites for Dragon Ball Z. That is like so on brand. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, I haven't, people have like big arcs of their life and mine's just like progressively <laughs> the same thing. Um, there's also like a weird thing. The movie is sort of, and we'll probably talk about it more, the movie is sort of about like, you know, the dangers of like these big box stores and sort of capitalism. But then it's also like, it's very product placement heavy. And like, they talk about Starbucks a lot. Yeah. Do you think Starbucks was paying for this? Uh, they must have been. They have to have been. And I have no, my, the concept of Starbucks didn't exist in my mind until high school when like friends started drinking coffee. Like my parents never went to Starbucks. Yeah. So I have no idea how influential Starbucks was in the late nineties, but they almost, this seems like the type of thing where they're like, but see, Starbucks is a good guy type of thing. Yeah. Because the rest of the movie's about these bad things. Yeah, but like Starbucks is okay. Yeah. Because look, this like quiet little cafe can exist and so can Starbucks. Yeah. It is I an interesting dichotomy. And then they I sort of they sort of build in the movie that they're going to have this thing about here's the dangers, putting people out of business, but then they really don't, which we'll get to the ending. Let's <sighs> Yeah, I'm getting okay. I'm getting way ahead of myself. So let's a- talk about well, you know one thing I love is that opening scene after they've both left their apartments, after they've written some juicy emails to each other, <laughs> and we see them walking around the same it's the West Village in mm-hmm. New York City. Um or the West Side that's supposed to feel like a village. It's like something like I can't remember now. Um I love that scene. I love that whole opening like thing where she walks out her door and he's walking right behind her and they they just coexist and they don't even know each other they stop at the same flower shop you see the bread guy delivering bread to each little pharmacy and each little shop feels like a small little town where everyone knows each other um and we get a little glimpse into their lives i love that scene the first 30 minutes of the movie are just so joyous. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is good. Yeah, the soundtrack. We, soundtracks usually date a movie, and yeah. it definitely puts a date on this, but like not in the same way where you're like, I can't believe they chose the song. It's yeah. just like, you're like, yeah. Yeah. And maybe because we were, when this came out, we were like old enough to comprehend music to some degree. Yeah. And we were like, I know this song, I heard it on the radio. Yeah. There's also, we also see, they, you know, we get to see them doing how they live their life and meet kind of their crew of characters that they spend time with. And you also just get to spend time with Tom Hanks and some children. And it's <sighs> pure, it's almost like not safe for work. Because they're just like, <laughs> they're building him up to this beautiful human. Yeah, it was weird that I started ovulating while watching that. <laughs> You're like, okay, it's time. <laughs> I guess. I want kids now, I think. And you made a comment of it, and it's my favorite thing. There's a kid, it's it's weird. There's a weird like story thing where like, Tom Hanks's character's dad and grandpa both date really young women. Yeah. And so he has a aunt who is like 
eight or something. Yeah. yeah. And then a, a brother who's like five, four or five. Yeah. But he always picks up the brother like by his <laughs> clothes, like lifts him up, like manhandles him. Uh-huh. It's the funniest looking like imagery. Yeah. Even though it's in love, it just looks like. No. You could probably just... recut this into like a really like horrifying. Uh, yeah. Drama. I don't know. I love, I do love that. There, There's something. I mean, Joe Fox is a character to me that is confusing. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't, he's just kind of an asshole. Yeah. But he's very nice. He's, he's like weirdly two-sided. But like, what does it come from? Like who's, his dad doesn't seem that like withholding. Like I just, it's all confusing to me. I, I try yeah, to Yeah. I think a lot of the character development is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they want you to like love these people, especially Joe Fox. Yeah. You have to, otherwise the movie doesn't work. But they spend a lot of time like showing him being like a turd. Yeah. He doesn't ever not become a turd. No, he just like. Just figures out a new way to be turdy. Yeah. He doesn't really like make amends for any of the bad yeah. things he's done. He just. And doesn't pay for them either. No. Uh, on the other side of that, Meg Ryan's character, Kathleen Kelly, um, is also similarly like. She's very virtuous. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like perfect almost. But she has a mean streak that she can't like. She can't like stand up for herself. Yeah, that's her flaw. I feel. And then when she does, she just says really mean things. And then immediately takes it back. Yeah, like things people deserve. Like they're mean, but like at the same yeah. time, you're like, I fully understand this. Yeah, they're destined to not be together. Yeah. By the nature of their jobs, his big bookstore is about to come to town. He knows that his goal is to take out the the little yeah. guys. And they, and, like, know who the little guys are. Yeah. Because they, they talk about them in, like, a company little get-together. Yeah. But then he finds himself in the bookstore with his brother and aunt. <laughs> the children, to be clear. Yeah. Um, that montage is really fun. Yeah. There's some, like, really Even the nice bookstore moments. part. Yeah. Um, and they meet. And he's, like, pretty immediately smitten by her. So smitten. And I think she's this, sort of the same in the beginning until he starts to be kind of weird. Yeah. Because he, like, realizes he has to hide who he is. Yeah, he lies. Yeah. From the moment he met her. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> We're off Love to a that. great relationship start. Um, and she seems kind of like fascinated by him. And then she meets him again at a party. Yes. What was that part? I didn't catch what the party was for that would bring these people together. It was the banquet that Frank or that Parker Posey had been talking about at the beginning. Saying like, oh, we got to go. F- it's like for the Russian. Oh, like- because she likes. Okay. Yeah. And she he was likes like, I don't want to go with black boyfriend. tie. Yeah. They like set it up kind of briefly in the beginning. Okay. So Meg Ryan sees Joe Fox there. <laughs> this is confusing. Meg Ryan sees Tom Hanks there and she's ready to like kind of flirt with him. Like it's really weird. She's yeah. like with her boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of feelings. Uh, and then some random dude comes up and is like, I can't believe you're talking to Joe Fox. And then all of a sudden she realizes, um, and then that's when their whole relationship changes from one of like flirty cuteness to like, oh, fuck you. I know what yeah. you're up to. And then they Which I like, other. I kind of like that shift in terms of her character. Yeah. Because like as soon as she like figures it out, like she goes in. And he switches. Yeah. I mean. They both just like get totally different. bloodthirsty. Him like scooping up that caviar. That scene makes me so mad. <laughs> like I feel the way she feels in that. So arrogant. Yeah. And he's like, he knows he's wrong because he's been lying to her. 
but he just digs his heels in and just keeps being a dick. Yeah. <sighs> but I, I, I like that they, I mean, I say that, I like that they go there with that and like make it yeah. like an honest thing of like, this is how he is. Yeah. Even if I don't necessarily think that where he ends up is earned. Right. In that regard. Well, so do you think that Joe is a good guy? Like deep down, is is he good at his core? I see. I'm torn on that because I think part of it, like I see stuff like with the kids, like stuff he doesn't have to do. Yeah. But he also makes a comment like I'm buying my way to their hearts. I know it's a joke. Yeah. But I think that there's like a core of someone good, but then everyone around him that he's affiliated with and most of his decisions say the opposite. Yeah. So I think he, in my mind, and this might just be me trying to like explain someone out of like, no, he's like got a good heart, but it seems like he's just someone who's trapped in a predicament of like comfort and like everyone around me is the same way it's almost like everyone he associates with is like that and so he has to be that way and that's just become his character yeah so i think maybe there's like a longing to change and he has no idea how to i could see that but maybe at the same time maybe he's just an a-hole no i i mean i think i hear i agree with you i think him he has like a real deep sense of hatred for himself yeah and he knows what he's doing is wrong but he like you said, doesn't have another choice. Yeah, and he he doesn't. He never comes across like it seems. Where he's painted as being, like, wealthy and unhappy. Yeah. Like, for both characters, we see them with their, the people they're dating, and we know pretty early on that both of them are not happy in that relationship. But yeah. they're in the relationship, so they're going to stay there, even though they're flirting with other people on the side. Yeah. <sighs> And that's probably the appeal of the internet to them is that they can just be these. Because I think Meg Ryan explains it when she's talking to her coworkers about how she's flooding with this guy. Mm-hmm. That it's, they know no personal details. They're just talking about life, the universe, and everything. And they share like quotes and advice. So to them, it's just these, it's like this weird removed thing. Mm-hmm. And it almost is like the true self that they want to showcase that they can't. Yeah. Except when they're with each other virtually. Yeah. Uh, I also feel like their emails are so disjointed and do not... Like, it's literally just, like, anecdotes. It's probably what it's like to have a conversation with me, <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud. Uh, where she, Like, they'll just tell each other a weird story, and then the other person will respond with another equally weird story that's not related. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty... I mean, it's, it's just texting before texting. It True. almost feels like... Like, email is... It's not an email. Yeah, it feels so formal, but it isn't. Yeah. yeah, they write them out formally, but it's... Yeah. It must have been insane to have to wait that long to respond. Like yeah. Maybe like a day or two to get a response. I used to do that in high school. I had a guy that I would email every night. Oh, really? He was in my school. Like, he was like my friend. Yeah. But we just also emailed every night and had like heated discussion about abortion. Oh, wow. Yeah. We did, Actually, I have a few, some friends of mine um, who have moved away. We do email pen pal. Cute. So like once a month we like catch up, which is nice because I like we're not I'm not a huge texter, uh-huh. so it's kind of nice rather than like texting up and trying texting and trying to catch up, and even like a phone call, uh, it's like, kind of cool because like once a month you get like this really long email and you're like oh it's so like I feel like I know mm-hmm. that's cool yeah key when the spirit alive. So about three quarters of the way or halfway through the movie ish, um. Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, this is in the middle of them, like, going after each other business-wise. He's given her advice, without knowing who she is, to go to the mattresses, stand up for her business, 
and treat it as business, nothing personal. So she makes it a mission of hers to take down Fox books, um, which doesn't work. And um, she's so upset that she asks to meet up with Tom Hanks's character, not knowing who he is. Yes. With her pen pal, NY152 or whatever his screen name is. And that's when Tom Hanks shows up and realizes that this person who he's been in love with, this digital person, is in fact his arch nemesis, Kathleen Kelly. And just to take a sidestep, one of Tom Hanks's good friends, and this is Dave Chappelle. Oh, right. And it's, it's awesome. I think misused. Yeah, I I want more of that. Yeah. He's sort of just like... Underserved. Yeah, he's not even... I want to say he's like his conscience, but not really, because he's just he's like just as bad as him like in what they talk about. But yeah. I just liked it. It was cool to see Dave Chappelle. It was. Um, so, so Tom Hanks' character realizes who Kathleen Kelly is. And instead of fixing it or acknowledging it he does what he always does just like he did with the fucking caviar and he digs his heels in and he makes things even worse which that scene uh, really makes me hate him yeah and from then on him knowing this information it becomes like a manipulation game yeah he uses it for bad yeah well, he uses it for like his benefit because yeah. he like it's weird because I think he thinks he's... I think he and we, the audience, are supposed to think he's helping her. Yeah, I agree. But it's it's literally a man coming in and being like, here's what you got to do to fix things. <sighs> There's something so... And I, I say this n- knowing what it feels like to be stood up. I'm like, <laughs> that's sad. But I, I, know, I know that feeling of being so excited about meeting someone and then they let you down. And she needed it so bad. She needed to be connecting with someone that she, like, she just, as a character, as a woman, she needed it. And he took it away from her and he rubbed her face in it. And that scene is heartbreaking to me. Yeah, they could have, it's almost, I mean, I understand in terms of the plot of the movie, I guess, why that exists. Mm -hmm. But at the same time... If he would have just left and kept it online, even though he knew and like you'd still be like, it's, it's still manipulation. Like it wouldn't have. Yeah, it's it's rough to like watch that come crumbling down, and she comes home and like checks the email, and he doesn't say why he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It's all. And bad. he has the fucking nerve to act like she's the one who hurts his feelings yeah. when he forces her hand. He has been nothing but cruel to her, and she finally stands up for herself. And then all of a sudden he decides like, oh, we're not going to be mean to each other anymore. How dare you? (laughs) He like gets up and like. He's like, well, that's my cue. Mm -hmm. Pays for the meal. Fuck off. We get it. You're rich. It's a pretty good zinger though. Yeah. What'd she say? Cash register for a heart or something? She says like cash register for a brain and a bottom line for a heart. Oh yeah. It's pretty good. Drag him, sis. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It is weird though. It really... You're midway through the movie and you get a very different feat. Like, they shift character feelings really quick. But I think, I mean, unless I'm misreading it, I think we're supposed to then feel for him. I think so, too. I think that's the point where you're like, oh, no. He does have a heart. Joe, yeah. Oh, poor Joe Fox. Yeah. No. Like, eh, no, no. Very annoying. Um, so their yeah. business goes under. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that surprised me. I, I don't re- remember a ton of the movie, but it, it, I was surprised 
in my mind with how they were setting things up, I was like, oh, he's going to come and save her. He's been like giving her all this advice. Save. He's going to like step in. Do you think he would have liked that better? No. Okay. I don't like either options. Yeah, same. But I think in terms of keeping it real, if if, if it would have failed, that makes more sense. Yeah. And it's more satisfying because uh, the other way it seems cheap. Yeah. I mean, some of the things are already cheap manipulating, but that would have been weird if you were like, oh, the happy ending. They end up together because he saves her. Yeah. Yeah. So their business, her cute little children's bookstore that was handed down to her by her mother and has been in business for over 40 years, is taken out by the big box store that comes into town and um, things just continue on. Sort of ironic with where we are today where stores like Borders or big box bookstores have been taken out by like Amazon mm-hmm. where there's, it's sort of happening again in a different way where like now these big, big chains that came in and took out independent stuff are now being taken out by bigger all encompassing chains. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of kind of ironic, I guess in that regard. But then I guess at the same time, people are becoming more, hopefully, and maybe it's just because we're in our bubble, people are becoming minded to the fact like we should be, we should support these small shops type of thing. Yeah. It's not, I mean, I'm not perfect. I shop yeah. Amazon literally probably every day. I probably rented this movie to watch it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this period of time where, and, and also during all of this, they've both left their respective partners and, uh, and it's been great. Yeah. It's like weird it's when really they, when they amicable. leave their partners. Cause they set up where like Joe, Tom's character leaves because he's just like fed up with dealing with her yeah because she's very selfish yeah weird joe what's it like looking into a mirror yeah but then on meg ryan's side like they basically just have like this really simple discussion that they're both not in love with each other yeah and they're they were just comfortable and they both have like new things and it's like kind of like you're like oh i'm actually like really happy it wasn't some crazy moment i know but it's like the same thing that happens in sleepless in seattle yeah <sighs> may have borrowed some new trades from sleepless in seattle yeah. have you ever been stuck in an elevator no Really? I never been stuck in one. I got stuck in one in college. <laughs> I was on my way to work. I had like packed a lunch for myself. I was in the elevator for maybe like 12 minutes and I panicked and I ate all of my lunch. <laughs> and then I got out like two minutes later. <laughs> I feel like movies set me up that I was going to end up in a stuck elevator and yeah. never. It was kind of scary. I was alone. Oh, that would be pretty scary. But also how dumb is that that I ate all my food right away? What if I'd been in there <laughs> for like I'm going days? going to die. I need to. <laughs> Food. I need to eat these gummy bears I packed. Yeah. No, never been stuck. Mm. Um, okay. So they're separated from their spouse. Yeah. Not their spouse, from their partner. And Joe Fox is doing everything he can to win over Meg Ryan's character, Kathleen He goes into, like, full-on, like, friend mode. Like, very good, close, emotionally available friend. Yeah, he shows up at her house with flowers. How did he know where she lived? I had I that question when he showed up. Also would like to know. Um, I also, she didn't tell him because she was very surprised by who showed up. Yeah, also who does that? Yeah. I do not answer the door unless I know who's coming. I still don't answer the door half the time. I'm like, did I order something? Who's here? Yeah, when I showed up today, I was yeah. outside for like 25 minutes. I was like, who's at my home? Let me in. <laughs> um... Yeah, that's weird that he shows up at her home 
um, unprompted, knowing how much that he's just put her out of business. And I also, I want to know like what her plan is. Like if her business was doing so badly that they had to shut down within like mere months of this new transition. Time is not clear. How does she have the funds to just be unemployed? I mean, I guess she sells the business. Well, it kind of sounds like when, when he comes into her house, she talks about all the job offers she has. Yeah. So maybe it's really quick after that. Okay. After it's actually shut down. And then she's like guess. writing a book or something. The time, the passage of time is unclear. Yeah. Do you, there's a, there's a scene of her closing the shop for the final time. Does that happen yeah. before or after she meets with him? After. No, okay. before, before. Oh, okay. So I like, right. Before. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the sense of time is kind of weird in the movie. I, I was kind of the same thing where I was like really unsure where, how long it took them to go out of business. Because the only reason he ends up going to her home is because of the conversation he has with his dad in the boat. Okay. About how, like, if you ever felt love like that with yeah. someone, you need to, like... Oh, yeah. Because the Joe... The Fox family lineage of men is... Trash? Trash. And, like, people who have never experienced love, they're just, like, with young, attractive people. Yeah. And it's a lineage that Joe is carrying on, but has now made a choice to end. Yeah. So, uh, maybe. Well, Meg Ryan's really attractive, so he's doing it. But at least it's for an emotional reason. Yeah, yeah. So they spend a lot of time together after that. They become sort of rival friends. But at the same time, Joe's using it. Joe's right. They're still email. They're still pen pals. Yeah. And he's using it to like find out what she loves in this person she thinks she's doing so that he can kind of make sure he is that. Yeah. So it it's, becomes a game of manipulation. It's sinister. But if you, you could rewrite this into a very scary like... Uh, emotionally abusive or like serial killer movie. Truly. And there's the scene where he's at her home and she's about to like go off and like say something so mean and he stops her. He puts his fingers on her face. For like a long time. Yeah. And that's... It looks like he like rubs her lip or something. I think it's supposed to be like a sexy thing. I think so because she's in in her bed because she's sick. Yeah. And he like tucks her in a little bit and And then moves up closer to her. Don't say something I know is going to eat you up inside. Like implies yeah. like, I know what's best for you, woman, <laughs> it that really I stole weird. your business and your livelihood from. Because she doesn't know that they've been emailing. Yeah, she still the doesn't know. The only context in which she knows Joe Fox is him taking out her mother's business. Yeah. He's oh, a monster. We should also just to talk about him mansplaining stuff. There's a, there's a scene where they're emailing and she asks for advice and he gives <sighs> a quote from The Godfather. Yeah. Which I, I read a, a fact that... That was like sort of um, an ad lib thing because Tom Hanks and some other people had a, a recurring joke in their friend group where they would watch The Godfather and like they just talked in Godfather quotes. What? So it was like a real thing. Okay. But he explains like these business decisions with The Godfather, but it's this massive paragraph. And I think it is written to be like a big comedy moment, yeah. but it just comes across as like the most mansplainy thing where he's like, in business, you have to do this. And I think you, we already talked about it. The, it's not personal, it's business. Yeah. But the way he explains it is the most, like if someone verbalized that to me and explained it, it'd be the most condescending and infuriating moment where like, well, when you run a business, you're going to run into things that you can't take personally. Yeah. And it's really weird. So then I guess it makes sense when it comes back to him being like, no, don't say that. Yeah. I I mean, also, and I said this out loud when we watched it, the thing that bothers me a lot about that scene is that, she says, what is it with men and the Godfather? Yeah. And then he proceeds to answer that <laughs> by quoting the Godfather 15 times. Yeah. I, for some reason, thought we were going to cut to like her watching the Godfather. I know. Why was like, that ever paid off? 
It's it, yeah. It's it's very strange. It's also weird because it's slightly sinister when he stops her from saying that because the thing he says implies like I know a lot about you. Yeah, and I know you better uh, than you know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that is super weird. Yeah. And then we spend the rest of the movie, sort of their friendship. Yeah, they just suddenly are a great like dating. Yeah, they're basically. just meeting up a lot, and that's sort of it's these little cute moments, but there's like that seedy under undertone to it because we know what's going on. And I think it's, again, made to be like, oh my gosh, it's coming. He's going to reveal himself. It's going to yeah. be really sweet. And he finally, he sets a date in person as Joe that, hey, let's get lunch uh, Saturday. Yeah. And then on his online persona, sets a date for after that. Yeah. He's going to meet her in the park with his dog. So he has one last moment together with her where he sort of like gets her excited about this thing. Yeah. And then does what I think is a, I'm sorry. You're no, no, I, no. Good I know. Okay. No, we both just like locked eyes. Continue and then there. There's a moment right before he leaves, and she's gonna go to her date, where he finally confronts her not about him being the online persona, but about their f- potential feelings toward each other. Uh-huh. And I think it's the meanest thing, uh-huh. because it is so like evil. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There is nothing I love more than a man begging for forgiveness, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the way that he does it is so manipulative. Yeah, because in their world. She's about to go meet someone she's been pining over, and he's trying to fucking fuck it up. Yeah. Ew. It's very weird. Like we know that it's him. She's going to meet, but at the same time, he like wants that final validation of like, if I just came in and I wasn't Joe Fox and I asked for your number, and she sort of is like, I don't, I don't know. She like, like starts crying. Yeah. But like that is the point. The point is that you are Joe Fox. Yeah. And she's the girl on the shop around the corner. That's the point. It's very that. That part really rubbed me wrong, where I was like, this oh. is... Ooh. Yeah. Ugh. Dark. Very dark. But then everything ends up great. Yeah, they meet in the park. I don't know what I was expecting. Like, I know it was going to be a rom-com ending. Yeah. But it just came together. Like, there were no questions. Yeah. She just says, I was hoping it was you. I wanted it to be you so badly. And I like... it's the way, I like that line, because I think that's like a romantic line. Yeah. Removed from context. context. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, what other what other possibilities could have happened in terms of their meeting? I don't know. Like, how could this? How could their love story have happened that would be satisfying? Ooh. He meets her in the bookshop the first day, and he introduces himself, and he's like, "My name's Joe Fox. I'm sure you've heard of me. Um, I think something it, something there. If it was a story about." This, this like self-obsessed businessman who through Meg Ryan's character kind of learns like, cause he's from this other world and he learns like about this other world that she's from and like these people struggling to like exist and he changed himself because he realized he was wrong. Yeah. Might work. But then I guess that also kind of falls in that category of like a woman changing this man. Yeah. Uh, like Blue. type of thing. But, um. I think that would be the way. It would be like he has to make it. He's like, I have to change. And then does something. Because I had this weird vision where I was like, he's going to close the children's section of his yeah. store and they're going to like go over to the other store or she's going to like move this. St- I don't know what I thought was going to happen. No, I, there could have been something really cool there if he like leaves the family business yeah. to help her build up her store and take over Fox yeah. bookstore. And then they build like a super company together 
But then they'd become the enemy. I know, but wouldn't that have been poetic? Be they did cool. it together. Instead, they end up together, and we have no real idea what that's going to mean. Right. Because he's still, oh, he's still like a multimillionaire. Yeah, he never gave up the business. I almost hoped, I kind of thought there was going to be like an epilogue where like, the, the shop on the corner reopens. Yeah. And he like helps keep it alive the way she wanted it without any... Yeah. Again, that's her, him saving her, but I sort of thought that was going to be where we're going. I mean, I think realistically, probably what happens is her book gets published and she holds a book signing in the children's section of his bookstore. Oh, yeah. Right? And like all her former employees are working there and it's like kind mm. of sad and that poor girl that works there that like can't now afford to go to school and pay her rent as yeah. to live in Brooklyn. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'd like that. Yeah. It's it's really strange because like I've said all these these negative things. Um I, I like this movie. Okay. Make the case for why you should like this movie. That's that's the hardest part about it is like the way if I don't think of, which is not the way I watch a movie, but if I don't think about like how how this mostly just Joe's character is, like I find it really enjoyable. It makes sense why it's people's like when it's on I watch it movie because it's uh-huh. just sort of, you can just sort of effortlessly watch it and like enjoy this improv, implausible thing. Yeah. And just because you hate a character doesn't mean you have to hate a movie. Yeah, well, I, I think I don't like what the movie stands for. Oh, got it. Okay, I think we're different. But at the same time, sense. I enjoy the movie. Like, it's, a, it's a very weird... I haven't really felt this way about any other things we've watched. Yeah. I like like the movie, but fundamentally disagree with where it takes yeah. us. I mean, the thing that... And I've read like think pieces about this. The thing that upsets me the most is that Meg Ryan ends up with the man who like destroyed everything she yeah. loved. I will, n- I just can't imagine ever being in a position where I'm like, yeah, that was the best choice that you made. But I, apparently that happened and Nora Ephron, like the, I think the girl who plays the, um, other lady in the bookstore, the younger girl, mm-hmm. she had her, the same problem with the movie. And Nora Ephron was like, you'll get it when you're older. So maybe I will like, like things just oh. change when you grow up. And those things don't matter. But huh. I can't imagine my work not being important to me. Yeah, because it sort of strips... I don't know. Yeah, I can't tell if that message is conveyed. Like, are we supposed to be like, well, this chapter of her life is closed, but there's a new one opening. Yeah. But that just seems disingenuous. It's. I think that is probably the simplest way to explain it, though. But it's, it's not as if she was just doing this as a job. This yeah. was a bookstore that kept her in touch with her mother, her late mother. It kept her financially stable it meant a lot like the the whole thing meant a lot to her clearly yeah it seemed to be a struggle but she did it because she loved it yeah to the point like there's the scene of her in the fox bookstore uh-huh. and she like helps a customer looking for a book and like gives a really impassioned thing about why she loved this book meant a lot to her yeah it's like yeah it's, it wasn't it's just a job strange. it was like a big part of her identity mm-hmm. and it's it so taken. weird that she lets it get taken from her and then ends up with the end. That's just bizarre to me. Maybe there's a secret ending that's she's going to date Joe and like undermine and destroy Fox, Fox and Sons, mega superstore, whatever. Yeah, she's like a mole or something. I'd be down for that sequel. I'm into it. I don't know what I'd call it, but it would be a. It would be like the Fox thriller. and the Hound, or like something. Not the Fox and the Hound. What's like a fox's enemy? Um, I probably have like actually. a rat or something like a. Are the rat the don't fox? the hounds hunt the foxes in Fox and the Hound? I don't know if I've ever seen the fox. Uh, <laughs> I think the hounds hunt the foxes, so I think your analogy actually works. Hell yeah! 
I'm just mansplaining Disney movie. Oh, God. No, it's fine. What have I become? Oh, my God. Joe Fox I'm over Joe here. Fox in it. No, you're definitely not Joe Fox. Um, I want to talk about why this movie is bad in comparison to Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, yes. Bring the heat. I'm just going to give you the microphone for this. Yeah, sit back. Here, Here's my problem. And I had this conversation with my, with my uh, really good friend of mine before I got here, too. Reasons why Sleepless in Seattle is a far superior movie to You've Got Mail is for a lot of reasons. A lot of people love You've Got Mail because it's like really great chemistry between Tom and Meg. And like, yeah, of course, great. But the only reason that they have that good of chemistry is because they've been in two other movies together. And I'm sure that people like this movie a lot more because it's a lot newer. It has like flashier editing. It feels more of a modern movie because it's got things you recognize like Starbucks. And it's got things like fucking bookstores. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, the, the, love story, the love story is improbable to me. And it feels like a direct attack against like my own sensibilities of like what I'm looking for in a partner and something that I would never stand for. Sleepless in Seattle, however, is a tale of two lovers connected via The Post, another movie that Tom Hanks was in. And it's like a love story that crosses the coast. Like it's a cross-country romance. These two people that are meant for each other, destined to be together, even if they've... Like, the love story is better to me because it's not like stupid because they end up together, but there's still a possibility that it might not work. It's just like realistic love. Also, the setting is way better. Like, cool. New York is great. Everybody does New York. Seattle, however, houseboat, unique. Very cool. <laughs> but also, I think you're, you you also spend, maybe people's thing is, sleep in Seattle, you spend like 90% of the movie, Tom and Meg not together in person. Yeah. So the part of the thing, I think, which is like when I say I enjoy this is I really like seeing them on screen together. They do have like great they're, chemistry. It's great to watch them. Time flies by watching it. So maybe that's the thing is you get a ton of time with them together in this, whereas True. you get very limited. Yeah. I mean, it is a treat to watch two people like them Top of their perform. game, yeah. True. I mean... And they're great in this. There's something so understated about their performances. You forget that you're watching a movie because they're both just so natural. Tom has like no weird quirks that give away the f- that he's acting. Meg Ryan is like effortless, like just astonishing. I'm so in awe of Meg Ryan. Yeah, so much charm too. And you made multiple comments about her style. She's style oh, icon to you. Queen. This like her style in this isn't like I like Sleepless in Seattle a lot better, mm-hmm. like in terms of style wise. Um, but this I see it. I just like 100% could never pull off the looks that she pulls <laughs> off in this movie. And that's why I don't like it as much. Okay. They see we got right down to the, the yeah. nitty gritty. I mean, sorry. What do you think? No, I'm the same. I, I think, like I said, I think it's entertaining, but I fundamentally disagree with it. I absolutely think Sleeps in Seattle is better. So I really like Sleeps in Seattle. Why do you think people like You've Got Mail so much more? Because according to the Facebook poll I did today, like 70% of people prefer it. Um... In my mind, You've Got Mail was way more prevalent in terms of like availability for watching. Yeah. I remember this movie being on all the time. Yeah. Not that I watched it, but it was just all the time. It came out right as DVDs came out, uh-huh. which means that like this movie came into theaters and then came out on DVD like right away. So like home 
video people would have gotten in their hands. Mm-hmm. There's that technical connection, which I think for younger people at the time would have been like an in. Like, this is really, like, I understand this. I like this. This is something. I could date this way. Yeah, I think that could have helped. Where It sort of has like an appeal to an older crowd, but also a younger crowd because of that tie into to yeah, tech. Yeah. And I think it's just, yeah, it has to just be the chemistry of a lot of Tom and a lot of Meg together on screen. And, and it all makes sense. Yeah. Like it's as a compact, like little bubble of a story, it all fit. It all yeah. fits. It's not like something you would take apart for plot holes. You take it apart for like uh, disagreeing with the message or yeah. the thing. Because I think what it has to say is really interesting. And I think it's what it has to say is ultimately I disagree with. But I think it's interesting that they go that way. Yeah. And maybe it's a worldview shift. Yeah. I mean, clearly this was beloved in a way where like people wanted, like the ending in this movie suggests that this is like a fantasy people would have of like, oh, in the end it was this person. They're this to me and this to me. Yeah. Even though it's, they got that way through manipulation. I think, I think you maybe overlook that just giving yourself into like the romantic part of it. I would just assume. It doesn't feel romantic to me it no, feels, feels like spooky. they're just gonna have really good hate sex with each other and then they're gonna move <laughs> along yeah it doesn't feel like everlasting the way it feels in sleepless in seattle but i think they i think it i think they think it's going to the audience will take it as an everlasting thing because so much talk of it is like why these other relationships they're in have never worked yeah and why this person online will work and then when they get together you're like yes because that's how it's supposed to be yeah but i don't know it's just, a weird one. I don't see how their relationship lasts. Yeah. It's strange. It's a thing like I, as I said, I enjoyed it. So I understand why people enjoy it. Yeah. Because not everyone sits down and talks for an hour about it. I think they should. <laughs> yeah. I recommend um, it. But at the same time, it's one of those things where like, I would, it'd be hard pressed if someone loved this and you were like, here's like, someone's going to listen to this. And if they made it to this far, <laughs> oh, they God. like these assholes. Um, which thing is like, I don't, I can't tell, like it, it doesn't, I mean the manipulation thing is like unforgivable, but it's not like off, super, super off where we're like, how does anyone like this? Like no. I totally get it. Yeah. It if is I like escapism seen, at its finest. I, yeah. If I hadn't seen Sleepless in Seattle, I'd think this was a fine movie. Yeah. Uh, we're also forgetting Joe versus the Volcano, which is like the reason that all of this exists. Honestly, my favorite Meg Ryan. Hot take. Okay. I, I really love Joe versus Volcano. I, I also really love Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. Which, uh-huh. since we're talking about it, we're going to go see it again in theaters. Oh, Rachel's yeah. never seen it. And we're taking, you and I are going to take her to the theater to see it because it's freaking yeah, coming back to theaters in December. It's a triple date. It's going to be awesome. So, overall, what are, what are your thoughts? Like, recommend? Mm. Yeah, I think I would recommend it because I think one way or another, you'll come out with like an interesting thought process. Because it's not offensive in the way Bachelor Party is offensive. Uh uh-uh. Um, and it's not a it's a well made movie. Yeah, it's like very like set design and cinematography. It's a really good looking movie. There's some great dialogue. Um, and it's one of those I'd recommend because I'd be really curious how people, especially if you've never seen it or haven't watched it in a long time, I'd like to see how it hits you now with whatever age and whatever like life has you right now yeah i, agree. I, I put it as like a, a recommend of yeah i, I want to talk about it with people it's one of the movies that's like so so part of the conversation i think yeah like everybody knows this movie yeah in the pantheon of rom-coms like this is in like the, the 10 you hear about yeah constantly yeah like it was met huge... sally mm-hmm. you've got another megaran yeah she's a 
Queen. Really? Like, Queen. She's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Tom Hanks and... I mean, I read something about how, like, this movie made so much money, and it was just like, yeah. It was print money They're with those perfect two. together. Yeah. They're just great. They're perfect. Oh, we're so blessed. To live in That's a time that we are able to sit down and talk about three separate instances in which Tom <laughs> Hanks and Meg Ryan like completely crushed it in a romantic comedy. Well, that's the spirit of Thanksgiving. People, oh, We're blessed by Hanks. Did we say happy Thanksgiving at the beginning of this episode? Uh, we will uh, in the intro if we didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I like the movie. Yeah. Would you, I mean, would you recommend it? I, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a very weird one on my scale of like how I think about things. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. I feel very conflicted. I'm entertained and I'm I like love to hate it. And part of it, I really, yeah. What I love to do is pick fights with people who like this more than Sleepless in Seattle. That's what I <laughs> love. We'll have, it seems like you have a lot of people to do it. Yeah. I got but have those people rewatch Sleepless in Seattle recently. So if they haven't, they done goofed. Yeah. Don't at me. Um, well, with that being, would you have a star rating? Do you still want to do that? Five. I guess. No. <laughs> All right. Keep what it do you give it? I'd probably do like a three out of five. Okay. Maybe maybe even a 2.5. I should not give it a five. That's so against <laughs> everything I believe in. Like 50 minutes of <laughs> some issues and five out of five. I guess like, I guess like four. Because okay. it's just, it's just Joe Fox. Yeah. And I hate that um, Kathleen Lights or whatever her name is. That's not her name. <laughs> That's a YouTuber. Lights. Um, that she just is like such a pushover. I hate that. Yeah. It's just, ugh. And she's so great. And then she just isn't. And it's like, come on. You just like, you deserve more. Like, you deserve better than yeah. this. All right. Three and a four. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, then we can move on to our next segment called Talk Tom to Us. Yeah. I don't think we have a, we don't have to do it. We same don't time, have do like we? a bit. We okay. do know. Um, cause we have a cool thing today. Uh, this is from a, a, a friend, uh-huh. maybe a listener. I actually don't know. I hope you're listening cause now you're in the freaking podcast. Um, his name is Chris and this movie is really important to him for not a reason so much with this kind of with the story, but it's how he met through this sort of lines up with how he met his wife. Okay. I'm going to read it. I'll read it fast. I don't know the story. So Chris writes, growing up, my mother had a habit of just putting something on the TV to have noise. She was the matriarch of three rowdy children. Uh, so there were moments where plenty of, there were moments time and time again in our living room would become an idle theater as my siblings and I dashed about. Films from the entire pantheon of American cinema would play here and slowly this became my casual introduction into film, which he works in film now mm-hmm. um, with me. As I took greater interest in this, one film would return far more than any other, you've got mail. To my mother, this was more than just noise, and no family dinner would be complete without direct quotes working their way into the conversation. Fast forward 15 years, I've completed film school, moved to L.A., got chewed up and spit out of grad school, and found myself in a winery car shoot in Michigan. At this point, you would, we would, at this point, we would find the salty and jaded shell of the youngster we discussed before. In fact, popcorn rom-coms like You've Got Mail turned my stomach, and I equated them to corporate trash. On that fateful note, I matched with Kelsey, who's his now wife, spoiler alert, on Tinder. Admittedly, my intentions on the platform were completely dishonorable, but Kelsey and I struck up a genuine conversation all the same. Not completely free of my scoundrel strategy. I love your wording, by the way, Chris. I invited Kelsey to join me at the place he was staying uh, for the best time one could have at a TGI Friday, which was the restaurant attached to the hotel. 
She declined wisely, Queen. but was gracious enough to share her phone number with me. Um, I returned to the West Coast without a, with, without a notch in my bedpost, but with something so much more. What followed was three months of text, email, and other written correspondence that I had only seen somewhere else. You've got mail. In fact, for a couple weeks, Kelsey and I took on the AOL handles of Hanks and Ryan's characters as the parallel was becoming really obvious. It was palpable connection that I didn't dare let go and soon found myself preferring a night glued to my messages rather than pursuing the local watering hole. This carried on for three months. Finally, Kelsey came out to the West while visiting friends and made a detour to see the mysterious filmmaker she had turned down so many moons ago. The magic of that first meeting is really only for Kelsey and I, but once again, I had never experienced such a kismet orchestrated perfection except in You've Got Mail. The following years after that day has brought Kelsey and I through cohabitation, marriage, grad school, relocation, and much more. It's the kind of luck and blessing that I only see in rom-coms, and that's why I love You've Got Mail. My jaw is on the floor. Pretty yeah. Chris, what a brilliantly written uh, wow. little piece of, of trivia. Okay, but you know what makes, you know, like, the reason that that works is that they aren't, like, business rivals. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you take a, yeah. The, like, love story across the country and the pen pals, that's beautiful. I love that part of You've Got Mail. Because they're connecting, and it's, yeah. it's like the same way that Chris and Kelsey did. That's well, really I think that's, that seems to be the connection here, is it's like, for them, the connection that the technology and that brought, that led them to meet, is similar to their meeting. Yeah. That idea. Wow. That's that awesome. That is so sweet. Thank you so much for sending that to me. To I us. I love that. It is beautiful. Oh. I don't know how to follow that. I can't wait to go sleep alone tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks for sending that in, Chris. That's really special. Um, and if anybody else has any cool thoughts, I'm sure there's going to be a lot and I'm ready. I'm re- yeah, I'm excited. I got my, Come I'm going to literally embody the gif of Tom Hanks oh. where he blows on his fingers and cracks his knuckles or whatever. And then like goes to press, start typing. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's me responding to DMs about this episode. <laughs> um, do you think it's time for... Our other thing that we do? Very important thing. Okay. Hanks Happenings! We do have a bit for that one. Yeah. We gotta like get a theme song or something, I think. Yeah. To play Maybe in for between. like a year. Yeah. The um, new year. Who, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of things happening Hanks, Hanks wise right now. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing is that this is, it's like funny because it's basically tied into this episode. There was um, the kids in the movie just did an interview on like a bunch of news outlets. Like they did it on to the today show. They did it in the daily sun or like whatever the UK one is. And, um, they talked about being in the movie and it's really funny seeing them all grown up. Oh, that's cool. I didn't see that. I'll have to yeah. Watch it. It's really funny and cute. We also got the toy story Four trailer. trailer last week and the snippet or whatever. And the, yeah, the thing with key and peel. That was awesome. Was wonderful. What'd uh, you think? I am. You know when they announced Toy Story 4? I was like, we don't need it. Why would we, it's a perfect trilogy. Because they make fun of in that little bit. But then I saw the trailer and like immediately it was just like, I woke up. I'm so happy to be yeah. back. Did you read that thing where Tom said that he also felt the same way? Yeah. And he there's some snippet where he said there's a scene, the ending of this movie, that he couldn't look the writers in the eyes because he cried through the taping. <sighs> so I don't know what's about to happen to us with that movie. Because we grew up, we talked about in the Toy Story episode, we grew up, and I think Toy Story is one of our next movies. Might oh, it's be. I think be. It's our, Toy Story 2 is our next movie. Um, 
like we grew up, like I went to college when Toy Story 3 came out. Uh-huh. So I don't know what's about to happen to us with Toy Story 4. I know. That's... I don't think I'm ready, but I am. And Forky, the new character. Is his name Forky? Yeah. He looks like a Because if it's a movie something. about like identity crisis and like figuring out who you are. Because like Forky's got like a little rainbow sticker on his foot. And I'm like, if Pixar comes in and like makes a movie about identity, it's going to be I'm gonna... beautiful and awesome. Yeah. Our next episode is, in fact, Toy Story 2. Whoa. We're doing Toy Story 2, and then we do The Green Mile. Oh, no. <laughs> and that wraps up 90s, Tom. Wait, is the like 2000s. Christmas going to be Green Mile? Uh, let's see. Yeah, pretty much. No. So our last movie of 2018 will be The Green Mile. No. <laughs> we'll have to do a mini-sode of The Polar Express again or something. <laughs> <laughs> something to be happier about. Um... Well, you know, before we wrap things up, we should talk about how this is the one year anniversary. Yeah. First We're, of all, it's been a pleasure, Daniel. Absolutely. Josie, just because she won't say it herself, Josie is the the queen behind this. She came you came up with this idea, you came to me with it. It's like this cool idea you had that you then made real. Mm-hmm. And you got someone to design a logo and like figured out all the podcasting stuff because we've never done this before no but you're like i'm just gonna figure it all out yeah and you did and you made it happen and it's nuts and it is happening because you are the fearless leader behind talking tom that's very kind of you thank you and i just sit close to the mic and talk loud yeah well you do much more than that (laughs) Uh, this is something that i'm very proud of and i will always be proud of it even though it's so fucking weird (laughs) i hope someday we're you know we're doing our thing and it gets brought up in some weird interview. You've been interviewed for some project you're doing. Yeah. Like, so we found this thing you did years ago. Yeah. Living and breathing on the internet. Um, so I think as a way to kind of sum up a year in Tom Hanks podcast world, we should take, we should name three movies out of all the 26 or something that we've watched so far. Well, we've watched like 26 movies, a few weird specials. Yeah. And we've read Tom Hanks's book. Yeah. This will be... So this is the 26th movie we've watched. We've done 36 total episodes, including this, mm-hmm. um, from the book and different minisodes. And we yeah. saw him live in Henry the Fourth. We've done so much. I gotta... I'll put, we'll post it... We'll like post or tweet about it, but I want to see how many minutes of Talking Tom exist. Today. How how long we've talked Tom. Yeah, I should have done that, but I will do it. <laughs> um, so I think we should take the... Best movie that we watched this year, like our favorite movie. Okay. Our favorite new movie that we'd never seen. And then our least favorite movie. Okay. Actually, let's do that in reverse order. Start with least favorite? Yeah. Which we probably have the same one, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think of what we've actually done this year. So this year started with The Post. Oh, I meant like a year of our podcast. Oh, duh. I'm looking at like a <laughs> You started year. January. Oh, easy. The worst movie, Bachelor Party. Boo! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say like second place of like worst movie would probably be like Radio Flyer or something. Oh yeah, like those ones that don't really have Tom Hanks in them. <laughs> On the principle that they just don't have Tom Hanks. Okay. My my favorite movie so far in all of. Wait, do the new new Tom? My, oh, the new one, The Man with One Red Shoe. I think. Okay. I've really that's a movie I never heard anyone ever talk about. Yeah. And I was like really taken with that movie. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. That's how I feel about Joe vs. Volcano. That's I love, yeah. Gotta be my favorite mo- new one. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Oh, the comedy in that is so weird. It was great. 
I also loved, um, I'd say like second place would probably be um, League of Their Own. I really liked yeah. that. And Saving Private I mean, like we've watched some really good movies. Yeah, revisiting Toy Story. Jeez. Yeah. It's sort of thing. I think I think Man with One Red Shoe is my favorite new one that we watched that I had never seen. And Joe versus the Volcano, I think I said seen before. Now I'm I can't mix up everything. Yeah. But I really love Joe versus the Volcano. Yeah. But Saving Private Ryan and Toy Story, kind of nuts. Yeah. So what about? I mean, uh, you want me to say what my obviously yeah. mine is Sleepless in Seattle. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Oh, I love sleep. I had never seen Sleepless in Seattle, so I I really oh. loved that. Okay. I mean, that's like always my favorite Tom Hanks movie. I loved watching it with you because you'd never seen it. And that was when you came over to my house. I know. And you like never come to my house. (laughs) Makes me sound really bad. (laughs) Why would you ever come to my house? All the equipment's here. Um, Yeah. No, it was great. Better sound system. And we're going to see it again. I'd like enough to see it again in a theater. Yeah. I'm going to pay to see it. It's going to be awesome. What do you think your favorite one was of the whole year? Of, uh, can do You can do like top three within the top three if you want. Yeah, I think I would put... I would do, um, I'm going to leave out Toy Story and, uh, that thing, or Saving Private Ryan because yeah. it's just like, yeah, duh. Like yeah, yeah. Do I'm going to, I do One Red Shoe, Joe versus the Volcano, and I'm like looking at these. Oh, I really, I had seen it, but revisiting the Burbs, I really liked, I really liked the Burbs. Uh-huh. That was, we had Ryan Pig on. Yeah. We had a guest for that one. Oh, I mean, we saw the post. That was good. post was really good. It's all, that's, yeah. Man with One Red, if you're going to pick two that you like don't get talked about, Man with One Red Shoe and Joe versus the Volcano, I would recommend those. I agree. Go see those. Some good, some good stuff this year. Yeah. It's, and then the next year is bloated, so. Yeah. I mean, we start to get like action movie Tom soon. Yeah. That's new, uncharted territory. And then we get into like, uh, Da Vinci Code Tom. So. <laughs> I was, that's what I was saying when I said yeah, action movie really Tom. <laughs> Um, well, it's been a great year. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on board this. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you. Excited for year two. Yeah. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Um, if you're interested in continuing the conversation, you can find us um, all over the World Wide Web, just like uh, Tom and Megan do in this movie. <laughs> Megan. I call her Megan. Ew. You guys are very close. Um, yeah, so close that I... I extend the length of her name. <laughs> uh, we've got a website, talkintom.com. That's talking without the G. Uh, we've also got an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook group, SoundCloud, just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and our handle is Tomcast slash NY152 slash shop girl. <laughs> that's my new Instagram name. Um, and I guess that's it. I think that's, that's it. I'm um, Daniel. I'm Josie. Thanks for listening. listening.